our singing, you sang and heard a focus about what we are beginning to look at. Um, It falls into our text out of 1 Corinthians 12. But I believe in the day and age in which we exist, as there is a huge ignorance on spiritual gifts, it is magnified because there is a huge ignorance on the Holy Spirit. So those of you who have been with me for a while understand that when I start into something kind of new, whether it's a new book or a new section or a topic, uh, I kind of lay a great big framework in that first message and everything else will build into that framework. And that's what we will look at today is what I call works of the Holy Spirit, the then and now. And so I'm going to pray Read. Uh, we're going to cover a whole ton bunch of scriptures, okay? Um, and unless you are really, really good at moving around in your Bible, you better get a pencil and write these down, okay? Because in the last, when I taught on this t- person in the years past, I took each scripture and expounded it. Um, I'm not doing that this time. Uh, I'm going to hold mainly to the New Testament. Uh, I will show you references that the, holds, the Old Testament Holy Spirit and the New Testament Holy Spirit are the same guy. So let's pray. Father, may your spirit fall afresh upon us. May we understand the power of the indwelling spirit of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and he who spoke, the Lord of Hosts. Father, may we, with ears sensitized by your Spirit, hear the words of your Spirit. May our conscience be seared by your Spirit and molded by your Spirit. May your words find deep, fertile roots in our souls and our hearts. May our eyes see your Spirit. May we understand that we are Spirit-led people. Spirit of God. Help us to hear. Help us to see. In Christ's name, amen. In Romans, or not Romans, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, it says, To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another is the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles, and another of prophecy, and another of distinguishing of spirits and various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay? That context comes out of verse 3 with the therefore statement. And the therefore statement says, there is the Spirit of God... And he's talking about somebody standing up saying that by the Spirit of God, they're claiming that Jesus is accursed. And he says, that's impossible. He says, because they cannot say that Jesus is Lord unless it is by the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of ministry, the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects or powers, but the same God who works all things in all persons. To each one is given a manifestation of the... Spirit for the common good. So basically what you have in that text right there, very very packaged, small, okay, is this. Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. Okay? That's, that's one I always get the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and all the rest of it. Uh, it's not a difficult um, defense that... There is a triune God, but but it exists in three individuals, okay? Here's something I want you to think about. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Do you see that in the church today? One of the things that I I have run into as as a child of God is that who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, He is a person. 
He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an influence. Holy Spirit is not a feeling. Holy Spirit is not some mystical force. He is a person. And as a person, he has personality traits. Traits such as an intellect. He has the traits of emotions. He has the traits of will. Okay? I can see his intelligence in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I'm not turning to it. I see his intelligence in Isaiah 11, 2. I see his intelligence in Ephesians 1, 17. They all say he has intelligence. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. He has feelings. Why? We as people, we have emotions, we have feelings. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 says he has feelings. You can literally grieve him. But I want you, I want you to understand something about the Holy Spirit's feelings. Okay? Holy Spirit's feelings are what I call divine feelings. They have nothing to do with human passions. Human passions is what controls human feelings. You've got to get this straight. When it says God was angry, it ain't got nothing to do with anger you and I know. Okay? Why? God's anger... God's jealousy, God's hatred, God's joy, God's love, God's sorrow, God's wrath are never, 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 ever reactive. Okay? God's emotions don't rise and fall with circumstances. Yours does. (laughs) Mine does. Okay? Malachi 3.6 says... I am unchangeable. You know what that means, right? Everything is unchangeable to God except His emotions? No. God is unchangeable. God the Holy Spirit is unchangeable, but He has emotions. He does grieve. He does have anger. He does have love. But they are never, ever based on circumstances. Ours are always, always based on circumstances. Listen, our our emotions are controlled by what is going on. I'm up because I'm in up circumstances. I'm just depressed because I am in depressed circumstances. God doesn't work that way. You please understand these things. Why? When you talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, you're not talking about an it. He has personality traits. Okay, and one of his personality traits is, is that he has emotions. Okay, but I want to, to, to go into this because I can go and I can go show you that he has an intellect. I can show you that he has a will. I can show you he has emotions. I can show you all the things that exist in humanity he possesses. Okay, but I don't need to do that. I don't feel like I, I'm being led that direction. But I do feel like we need to understand more about him. All right? I talked to you about the spiritual gifted administrations or leadership. Okay, and this is the guy who says, here's the, the path. This is what we need to go on. This is the course. It's spoken of a helmsman who's tied to the, the steering wheel of a ship. Regardless of the storm, regardless of what is going on around him, he knows where he has to go, and he's going to focus on that, and he's headed that direction. All right? If you would, please turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16. This is a fascinating text for me. Um, ah, it's just amazing. But it, it, it comes off of what I just dealt with in um, emotions. Okay? You hear it said this way. Feelings. Okay? I feel this. Right? I want to show you something about the Holy Spirit that I think we missed. Beginning in verse 6. <clears throat> they passed through Phygina and Galatia region, having what? Been forbidden by what? Did you read that? What does it say? The Holy Spirit guiding Paul 
said, you will not speak the gospel to Asia. Wait a minute, I thought we were going to go to Asia and America and Samaria and Jerusalem and the ends of the earth. If you read the first letter to the Thessalonians, he says, I have been trying to get back to you, but the enemy has put up roadblocks. It literally means uh, military obstacles have been put in and that Satan was forbidding Paul to return back to Thessalonica. Okay? Here he says, the Holy Spirit has forbidden me, had forbidden us to go to Asia to preach the gospel. How did Paul know that? How did Paul know that? Malachi 3.6 says God is unchangeable. Is it spirit? Then if the spirit is unchangeable, the spirit of God is unchangeable, you and I, who are saved today, have the ability to know when God is stopping us from doing something or the enemy is stopping us from doing something. And you know what? I don't believe it's complicated. I believe it's one of the simplest things that we can see. The problem is, is the condition of evangelical Christians today. And I think part of it is... Um, I'm going to lay this one out. This will be explained in the weeks to come. I kind of touched on it in our Sunday school class this morning. There's three things that I think that the church is missing in the person of the Holy Spirit today. Three major causes that I see across the board, and yet it falls into one singular cause. Okay, here's what it is. I break it down into three. One is the experiential, one is the pragmatic, and the one is the psychological. Okay? Those three things have invaded the church of Jesus Christ and are causing him problems. The experiential is what I call, you and I would call the charismatic movement, the experience movement. You know, I felt this. I felt like I worshipped and woo It had to have been God was there. Why? Because I felt something. And it's all based on feelings. How did you feel after worship? And that Bible study, how did it touch you? When you read this text, how do you feel about it okay it's experience based and it's in it's in bizarre degrees i mean i've seen people who act like blooming fools barking like dogs and saying that the holy spirit had overpowered them okay this probably got overpowered by a spirit i'm thinking it's not holy okay and, but it's experience based what happens with experience based is that you come in and that experience is good, but somewhere down the line, how long does the experience last? And now I need a bigger experience. And I need a bigger experience. And then, so then you're opening yourselves up to how grand can it be? Here's how bad it's gotten. A blessed church today, experience says, is a musical church. That's what is taught today. That is what is perceived today. I deal with young people. I deal with old people and, and everything in between. And I ask him, I said, you know, they go here and they go here and they go here and they visit this church. They love this church. They love this conference. They did this. And I ask him, I said, well, what did you love? And we worshiped. I worshiped there like I've never worshiped before. And I said, well, how do you know you worship? Man, you wouldn't believe the music that was there. Listen, I've seen uh, Jimmy Page play Dave and Confused on a guitar with three laser lights that started spinning around as he got faster and faster. You ain't never experienced anything like that. I guarantee you, it was mesmerizing. I don't think I was there. It's just a thought. Okay? Does anybody know who led music for the Apostle Paul? You know what? I can't even figure out who led music for Jesus. Okay? Here's what we've done with the experiential movement. We've concluded that if you draw a crowd, it's got to be of God. 
Really? Then the Broncos must be holy ground. They're charging a ton bunch of money and they're sold out every weekend. Okay? That's the, see what experience does? It just keeps moving and it wants more and more and more. The other one line that I talked about is pragmatism. Pragmatism. What happened is the evangelical body, the church, what you would consult the conservative people, they got so freaked out by what the Holy Spirit was being blamed for that they just were not even going to talk about Him. Because if you talk about Him, then you must be charismatic. Okay? I made a statement with a bunch of conservative evangelicals, good, solid Bible students, and I made the statement that if you weren't anointed in your preaching, you were useless. Okay? As soon as I used that word, anointed, I was tagged charismatic. Okay? I am, listen, I'm not an experience-based guy at all. Not only that, when the experience does happen, I check it hard. Okay? When I brought in to bear the moving of the Holy Spirit and the passion that I had for the Holy Spirit, they said, see, he's charismatic. Why? He's just getting excited. And I, the guy said, you know what? Have you ever read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards? I said, yeah, I have. He says, what do you think? I said, I like the CD better. Okay, because they got this guy and he reads it and it just sounds really cool and it's just, you know, if God wanted me to read, he quit making CDs. Okay? And I read it, and he said, Well, you know that when he read that, he read it from a little card that he had on his hands because, and he did it by candlelight, and he didn't want to move around or anything, so any, any, nobody would be moved by his body language or his inflections in the word, and the power of God would move, and that's how the Great Awakening happened. And I said, The Great Awakening killed New England as far as open to the gospel. Okay, because there's a whole bunch of people who were supposed to make a decision for Jesus Christ, and you couldn't do that if you had to with a road map. And he says, well, I believe that you should never preach with passion and excitement and vocal changes because you're distracting from the message. Jonathan Edwards didn't. I said, dude, you ain't Jonathan Edwards. So you better use everything you can. Why? Because that's the pragmatics that have shown up. It says that I have this intellectual understanding. If I can parse the Greek and the Hebrew, I can do this and I can do that. And I study this and I study that. And I get my PhD, my MDiv, whatever you're working on. I got this done. Then now I'm ready. Okay? I do these ABCs and God will grant me the DES. But I thought he said he was going to use the foolish to confound the wise. We started falling into systems. Okay? I'm going to mention this, and I know this is going to go on the radio. We talk about 40 days of purpose. Okay? And if we do these 40 days of purpose, your church is going to go, bling, 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 and it's going to have room buildings. You're going to have to bring them little trailers in because you're going to have to have that much room. You're going to have to have big screen TVs because it's going to be overflow this, that, and that, and the other. You know what the theological understanding for 40 days of purpose is? Science says that after 40 days, if a person does something... For 40 days consistently, it will become a habit. Hmm. That's pragmatism. It's pragmatism. Okay? Then the last one was, and I'll deal with these more in depth in these weeks to come. last one is what I call um, psychological sanctification. Okay? Um, taking man's understanding of the mind and the soul... Applying them to what I'm doing, this situation, this person, uh, this relationship, or this, that, and the other, and I can make this person more holy. Do you understand how arrogant that is? Do you really understand that? Do you know that you could take the greatest preacher that the planet has ever seen and without the moving of the Holy Spirit, nothing happens? Okay, let me give you an illustration of a couple of them. How good a preacher was Ezekiel? How good a preacher was Isaiah? How about Jeremiah? I got one. How about Jesus? 
And they murdered him. And it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room that those boys could even come out of the room. We're hiding. Why? They killed him. And when the Holy Spirit empowered them guys, what did they do? They went down to the temple where the Sanhedrin who had just murdered Christ 44 days earlier, they went down there and preached, you murderers of Messiah. And yet when he was alive, he, they were running for the high grass. That's the Holy Spirit. We take psychology today, believe that we can add that to a person's life, and what will you make of that person? What will you make? Psychology all has its basis on Freud. Freud was a devout atheist. He's good too. Okay? He comes out of Darwinian mindset that we used to be monkeys and fish and guppies and things like that. Okay? And therefore, if I take these things, these trainings, then I can make it better. Here's the problem that I have with the psycho-sanctification. I can take the same principles that are used in psychology today, whether it's biblical psychology, which I'm not sure there's such a thing, or man psychology. I can take those same principles, I can apply them to a believer and an unbeliever, and I get the same results. There's a problem. Yeah, those three things that are in the church today have invaded the church. I'm going to deal with these by the Word of God over the next few weeks to come. But I want you to think about those things because here's the issue with all three of those things. Okay, whether it's experience, pragmatic, cycle sanctification. Let me use that right. Psychological sanctification. Okay, people think, oh, that's nutty, holy man. <laughs> okay, uh, and I don't want to, what? you need to edit this, dude. <laughs> okay, we'll go through this one. All right, here's the thing I want you to think about this. Who gets credit? Who gets credit for it? I hear all the words. God led me to publish this book. (laughs) Who will share the glory then? This letter here, he says, this is so amazing in in 16, 6 through 11. Holy Spirit speak after they came to Misha, they were trying to go to Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus Christ did not permit them. Who was guiding Paul? The Spirit. When it comes to spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, how much must I badger God to get the spiritual gift I want? He says you can't. He gives it as He wills. Okay? And he does it with a variety of things. Okay, let, let me tell you some of the things about the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to touch on these. Do you know that he incorporates for special service? He chooses. The Holy Spirit chooses. Okay, for special service. Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 4. Okay, do you also know that the Holy Spirit intercedes in your prayers when you don't even know what, how to pray? Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He literally says, you know what? You guys don't know what's going on. I'll intercede on your behalf. Why? Well, I'm God, which means I know my will. And how about I do it? Because it's obvious you're shooting and you're missing. Did you know that you can lie to Him? You can lie to the Holy Spirit? This is where you get slain in the Spirit. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Satan has deceived your heart that you should lie to the Holy Spirit. And they were slain by the Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira both fell over dead. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, you know it is even possible to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I share with you those because you can do those to God. Do not separate this person from Jehovah. 
You want to know works of the Holy Spirit? In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, do you know who the general contractor was for creation? Do you know who was hovering over the creation as it was all coming together? The Holy Spirit. He was seeing to it that God said it shall be, and He was seeing to it it was. He was there. And then in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says all of creation shouts of God. You can look at creation and I can see the Holy Spirit. I see His creativity. I see wisdom. I see His divine will. It's all there. It's like if you look at a Swiss watch. Okay, you can take that thing apart and you can look at the detail that is in it and you can say, I know this is a Swiss watch. You can take at a Russian cut diamond and you can look at the detail in it and you can say, that there is a Russian cut diamond versus this diamond that comes out of Tiberius, Israel. I can tell the difference. I can tell the workmanship. I've seen it in locksmiths. I've seen it in carpentry. I've seen it in, I've seen it in electricians. You could tell by the way the wires were laid on the studs what company wired this building or this house. Holy Spirit was involved in creation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says it was the Holy Spirit who did Scripture. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35... It was the Holy Spirit who brought about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Regeneration. You know what that is, right? That's what the Presbyterians call born again. Okay? Salvation. John's Gospel, chapter 3. You should go over to that one. Chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. I'm going to come back to it. I've got more. Okay? But you must be born again. You must be born of the... Spirit. You guys, everybody headed there? John chapter 3? Okay, John chapter 3, verses 5 through. Because that's the, 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 the then. What happened then? But I'm going to go to a different one. You guys go there. Write this one down. You can look at it later. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. We should always give thanks to God for you. Paul's just tickled to death about this church in Thessalonica. Okay, these were his great big gold star church. Okay? I don't know who the pastor was. I don't know who the worship leader was. But I'm telling you what, this church was rocking the universe. And Paul was like, you know what, everywhere I go, people talk about what's going on there. Here's what he says. I thank God. I give thanks to God for you, brethren, loved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. Interesting thought, isn't it? Where does sanctification come from? Kagimas, sacredness, consecration, purification comes from where? Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because you can't separate them. I think that's why we're having natural, natural disasters. Did you know that? When you talk about God, God the Father, is it a He? Why do we keep calling him Mother Nature? I'm thinking that he, you keep calling me Mother, I'm, I'm going to stir up a storm like you ain't ever seen. I, don't know, I could be wrong. I see him representative as a dove, the Holy Spirit. Why? Dove? Why not like a hawk, an eagle? No, he's a dove. You know why? It's purity. Purity. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew 10, 16. Mark 1, 10. Luke 3, 20, 21, 21, 22. John 1, 32. I mean, there's a bunch of them. You guys have to download a bunch here. I see him described as fire. Acts chapter 2, verse 3. Okay? Why? Because the Lord is always expressed. Lord, God. I'm talking God. God the Father, the big kahuna dude. Okay? He's always described as fire. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 21. Leviticus 10, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. They all describe God as fire. 
And the Holy Spirit is described as fire. All right? Wind. They describe him as a wind. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. When it came down. Can everybody keep thinking that when the Holy Spirit comes down? No. Everybody's hair is going to blow. Okay, the wind is all blew out in the shade, and the Holy Spirit just walked right in there. No, man. What it's talking about is you heard him. You heard him. When you hear the wind, you know that it is windy. You don't have to see the effect. Okay, I have heard the Holy Spirit. You who are saved today have heard the Holy Spirit. The moment you came to salvation, you knew it was of God. You heard him. No, you didn't. I'm talking to you. That's not it. I'll give you the best illustration I've ever heard. Fourth generation elder, First Presbyterian Church of Colorado Springs. Okay? He said, a couple of years ago, he got saved. I said, well, how long were you an elder? He says, about 13, 14 years. I said, it's a good thing when the elders are saved. That's, that is a good thing. And I said, well, how do you know... That you weren't saved. He said, well, you know, I'm a good Presbyterian. I was saved before the foundation of the earth, but I just didn't realize it. And I said, well, how did you know that? And he says, the Bible started making sense. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Why? Because he heard from the Lord, the wind. Um, you want to cross-reference that Old Testament? Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 9 through 14. All right? I told you we were going to cover a lot. I ain't done. Because now I'm getting into the text that I want you to look at. The then and now. Okay? Because you who sit here today are either in the then or you're in the now. All right? John's Gospel, third chapter. We all know this story. Or let's put it this way. Many of us know this story. Man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. Okay? This is not your average Pharisee. When you see that term there, ruler of the Jews, he was the preeminent teacher in Jerusalem. Okay? He came to Jesus at night. Said to him, Rabbi, interesting statement he's about to make. We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one else can do the signs that you do Unless God is with them. Nicodemus was doing better than some. Some of them had concluded that Beelzebub was doing it. Okay, he says, I know you're doing this. Jesus answered him and says, truly, truly. Is that what your Bible says? It should be amen, amen. Amen, amen. You know what that means? You're absolutely correct. And I'm in total agreement with what your statement is. What was his statement? You got to be of God or you couldn't do this. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's where the Baptists all parked their little wagons. You must be born again. And don't get me wrong. I like that verse. Yeah, you do need to be born again. And I would guarantee you that some of you are struggling with that. That would be the thens. Why? Because you haven't started over. You're just adding two. Okay? And so now, you just got a mess. You got all of these things that you used to do because it always used to work for you and you're trying to grab a hold of the promises of Jesus and keep doing it the way that you used to do it. And God said, no, you got to start over. What? What does that mean? You need to go back to the part where the baby... Remember when the parent gets ecstatic because the baby rolled over? That's what he's talking about. You need to get back to just getting rolled over. Roll over, fool. Okay, because I've seen people who says, well, I had this liver quiver thing go down, and I know I'm saved and I'm ready to be a preacher. You need to roll over. Then you're going to say, remember when they would get up on their elbows? Hallelujah, the second coming. Because you knew it was close. What? That they were going to stand against the couch. 
And that's what we're dealing with. I see Christians who don't want to do any of that. I ain't starting over. Why? I've been walking. I've been walking like a fool. I've been walking like a blind, naked, depraved man. And I'm just going to add Jesus. And I'm going to walk blind, naked, and depraved holding Jesus. He says, no, man, you start over. All the things that you knew exactly how to do are completely wrong. Yeah, but I've been... No, no, no. You missed it. You missed it. See where our foundation got crooked? Hey, when I got saved, I got saved in a little concrete room, had a stainless steel toilet. Okay? Nobody got up there and says, come as you are. Or nothing. I looked at my life. It was in a trash can. It, you might as well set the sucker. Just be done with it, Lord. And I said, God, I've always believed there was a God. But I tell you, I have made a mess of this. I beg your forgiveness. That was the extent of it. I got down on my knees and I wept. And I have been at peace with God ever since. And the peace that surpasses all understanding guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't sound... Where where was the evangelist? I don't know. I I wish I'd have known my Bible because I'd have prayed, Now then, make the Philippian jail burst open and I'm out of here. (laughs) But it didn't happen. But he says, you know what, Terry? Start over. Start over. And I'll tell you what, that's been my biggest battle. Starting over. But this is how I dealt with this. God says, so? Don't make me come down and make you roll over. All right, here's what he says. I want you to think about this. And Nicodemus comes up with a good question. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he's old? He can't enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born, can he? Okay, now let me show you what happens next. Jesus says, amen, amen. You know you know what he's saying there? He can't go back to mama. All right? He he ain't going back to mama. All right, he says, unless one is born of water... And the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. Okay. Then he hits him. He hits this man, the teacher. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it and you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus says, you big dummy. No, that's not what it says. Jesus answered him. He says, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? You know what he's saying? This born again thing is Old Testament. And you don't see it. Why? I.E. start over. I.E. start over. You really believe you can sit down and read your Bible and come to salvation? Nicodemus couldn't. Paul couldn't. Peter couldn't. John couldn't. Unless the Spirit grabbed a hold of him, what happened? Nothing. New birth. And he says, you know what? You're supposed to know this. You're supposed to understand this. You're supposed to realize this. Do you understand these things? No, the Spirit is not out there in that car. Okay, that's a battery and a switch. Okay? Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If you do not have the Spirit, you don't get the Spirit somewhere else, a second blessing. You started how? By the Spirit of God. You've got to get a hold of this. Ask yourselves, when you came to salvation, was it because all of a sudden you figured it out? Because let me tell you something. When I came to salvation, I knew the 23rd Psalm because it had been on a card given on my dad's obituary. And I had been in a church where I was trying to date this girl. And they kept saying before and after service that uh, what they call the Lord's Prayer. That was the extent of my theology. How did I get saved? 
Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Do you get that? If you're truly honest with yourself this day, you better ask yourself the then. How did I get saved and am I? I know people, listen, if you can't go right now and walk to a Joe Blow on the street and share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. I can share with the gospel. Well, not because I've memorized the Bible. It's because I knew where I was. I know where I am. And there has to be, quote unquote, a conversion experience, regeneration. But I want to take you to another text. That's the then. Okay, now understand who he talked about at the then. This was an expert on the scriptures. And he says, if you're going to be saved, you've got to be born again. And the expert in the Bible said, how do I do that again? Well, it's going to be by the Spirit. Why? Spirit comes into the flesh of that vessel. That's water and spirit. Well, you were born of water. You all, some of you have experienced that. My, that woman's water broke. You know what that means, right? Run for the hospital. <laughs> That's what I mean. And take that woman with you. Okay? <laughs> that doesn't mean... To... Whoops! She's having a baby and I'm out of here. Okay? So I'm, I'm assuming that all of you were born of man and woman. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> then you must have a rebirth, and that birth would be the Spirit of God. That's how it starts. Okay, now let me show you something else. I'm just going to go through this. I, I, I just... I could preach this thing for a very, very long time. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is what is called the Upper Room Discourse. Jesus is getting ready to have the Passover. He sits down and gives his old boy's last, final instructions before his arrest and crucifixion. Okay? And he's explaining some stuff, some amazing stuff. He's kind of cruised to it. He's like, wow, that's going to happen. That's kind of cool. That's, wow, that's kind of... You know, and, and the, the boys that are sitting up there going, what's wrong with him? He's talking about dying and leaving us. Where's he going? And we can't go. What's up? And, and, you know, and, and they're confused. And let me tell you something. We can sit and laugh at him today and say, boy, you guys are knuckleheads. You'd have done the same thing. You're going to die. You're going to get arrested, crucified. And wait a minute. Why would we want to go with him? Okay, that, that would have been my thing. Um, you know, people say, well, Peter denied him three times. You know what? Peter was close enough to deny him. Okay, I'd have been with the other ten. Where were they? <laughs> I don't know, but I'd have been with them. <laughs> I'm going fishing. <laughs> it's in Galilee, and it's a long way from here. <laughs> All right, I want you to look at some stuff. I'm just going to kind of hammer this thing. Remember, I'm building this great big frame that I'm looking at the then and now of the Holy Spirit. How would you get saved? Well, Billy Graham was at Mahlon Stadium. And everybody got up and went down, and I just followed. Okay? Don't work. Okay? You must be saved by the Spirit of God, period. Okay? Here's what I want to give you. I'm going to start. Where do I want to? Man, I got all these verses on here. Where do I want to go? I got 15, 17. I'll just jump right in here, 13. Okay? Verse 13, chapter 16. Gospel of John says this, but when he, note, male gender, who? Who is he talking about in this context? Spirit of God. He says, you know what, I got to go because the better is coming. But what? But he's going to, all right, look what he does. But when he, who is he? That's the spirit of truth comes. What will happen? He will guide you. Where? To most truth? To some truth? You will get close to the truth? No. How do you come to truth? One guide. One guide. Please hear me. Who helped write scripture? 2 Timothy 3.16. Spirit of God. So who's going to lead you to all truth? Okay. Do you believe that? Then why do we read all these books about the Bible? Just an interesting thought. 
Then there's nothing wrong with the guy who's teaching Scripture to write it down and say, here, read this. There's nothing wrong with that. How many times you run into that? And do you know it when you see it? If you say yes, then I'll ask you this next question. You know how I am. I always got that one question. You can all smile and say, I don't know. All right, then he's got one up the other sleeve. What is it? How ignorant are you on spiritual gifts? You know, I had to, many years ago, I took uh, several years and taught the book of Daniel and uh, um, several years to teach the Thessalonian letters. Uh, some time I taught on the uh, 24th and 25th chapters of Matthew, uh, and I think two years or three years or four years. I don't remember how long it was on Revelations. Okay, but it was all kind of jammed together. You know what my biggest problem with teaching the end, the second coming of Jesus Christ? The single greatest problem that I had is setting aside all the stuff that people had taught me. Don't worry about what this teacher taught you or this teacher taught you. Who's your guide? It had better be the Spirit of God. Because when He comes, He will what? Look what it, I want. You go, ooh. That's frustrating. But I cause me to have a diaphragm attack right there. Let me show you this. The Spirit of God, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Look what will happen with Him. He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. You got that? You know what I like about the Spirit of God? He's got the red phone to God. He's only going to do what is already done. <laughs> That's cool. There's no error in it. I like that. Anybody here? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a communication problem in your marriage? Okay. But my Bible says the two are one. So why doesn't she know what I'm thinking? Okay? And why do you keep thinking I'm thinking that way? Because I don't think that way. You're putting too much intellect into me. <laughs> I don't think that hard. Thinking's overrated. Why? I have a guide. You know, the Holy Spirit and Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father are one. Do you know they do not have a communication problem? At all. And it says here, he will not speak on his own initiative, but what he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you. You know what the word disclose means? Opens it right up to you. You know what's amazing about this? It has the word lambano on it, okay? And lambano means it is received, okay? It is to take it home. Why? Who's guiding? Who's guiding? Holy Spirit. Look what He does. He will glorify me. That's what, you know, when you, I see these people who are sitting, the Spirit is doing this and the Spirit is doing that and that woman's acting goofy because the Spirit is doing it and that guy's barking like a dog because the Spirit is doing it and that person fell over backwards because the Spirit is doing it. That's a lie. Look what it says in verse 14. He will glorify me. Well, Jesus didn't knock that woman down. Jesus made that guy laugh like a fool. No, that's not what they say. They say, the Spirit does it. No, He doesn't. The Spirit will what? The Spirit will speak what He hears and He will communicate, guide truth. Truth is the God of truth. He will give you truth. He will speak truth. When a man stands up and claims to be speaking truth of God and he brings emphasis to himself or emphasis to anything other than the person of Jesus Christ, I know the man is deceived. He is deceived. Why? I gave you three problems in the church. Experiential, pragmatics, psycho... <laughs> Psychological sanctification. Okay? Take all three of them, 
What is, who's the emphasis? Who's the emphasis? That's not hard. That's not hard. Who's the emphasis? You. You really believe you can make yourself holy? What if you're given all the information? Nope. Hey, listen, I have a computer. Okay? And on my computer, I have a 40,000 volume library on it. I have 27 translations of the scriptures, the original Hebrew and the original, original Greek. Okay? What I'm trying to get at is that is a smart computer. Okay, and it has all knowledge of God. It ain't sanctified. It ain't sanctified. I see people who think that they can gather up enough information, they're going to be fine. All I have to ask is, who's your God? It says here, he will glorify me, and he will take of mine, and will disclose it to you. There's that word, disclose it to you. You know what he says? He says, I, he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. Why? He is the guide. It's You know what? I love you guys, but it's easy to spot who is guiding you. It's very simple. It is not. You do not have to have the spiritual gift of discernment. Okay? It is easy to spot a person who's been, and who's guiding them. Alright? Listen, look at what he says here. Oh, this is so cool. And I, I could be here for a while, but I'm going to move on because I'm trying to deal with the person of the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me Make a note. He will glorify me and he will take of mine and he will reveal it to you. Lambano you. You know what that means? Give it to your home. Okay? Think about it for a second. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 says, The Holy Spirit in you will strengthen you in inner man so that Jesus Christ will what? Be at home in you. If he is guiding you, it's no big deal. Okay? When there's an issue is when you're not listening. Listen. He will take of mine whatever is related to Christ. All right? Think about this for a second. Whatever is the Father's is Christ. That'll hurt your head, won't it? What belongs to the Father? Do you know that space belongs to the Father? I don't... don't, What are you going to do with all that space? (laughs) I don't know. Basically, that's between Terry's ears. Um, but, but it's all his. Now think about it for a second, because whatever is the Father's is Christ. Whatever is Christ is the Father's. Oh, I love that. You know why I love that? Because he says, he will take of mine and he will Make at home, he will disclose, he will give, he will reveal, he will open, he will show you. Okay? You know what? Whatever is the Father's is Christ, whatever is Christ is the Father, and whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will show you. He will guide you. Okay? What I just did for you is give you the hugest package of the person of the Holy Spirit that you can get. Let me tell you, you've heard the saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You couldn't eat this if you had to. I don't care how many bites you took. Why? I showed you that when your salvation came, who did it? Holy Spirit. When you go, you have a single guide Who is it? And he will only lead you into all that is Christ, all that is God's, all that is God's and Christ, all that is the Holy Spirit's. He will do it. You can't eat that. You can't swallow that. You can't wrap your brain around that. You're going to do me and you're going to sit there and go, what? So let me ask you a question. How can any of you say you're lacking anything? And those who say they are lacking and they need an experience, that they need some kind of plan, that they need psychology 
do not know my spirit. My Holy Spirit will guide in all truth, in all things, and He will lambano. He will give to me in such a way, it will be real, revealed to me that it is at home, it is settled. And what is that? All that it is Christ, all that it is God's, all that is ours. And when you and I get into trouble, all I know is this simple fact. I know who you're not following. I know who you're not following. It doesn't say I need to follow my wife. It doesn't say I need to follow my pastor. It doesn't say to follow my elders. It says I need to follow the Holy Spirit. And who puts the elders in the positions in the church? I thought he distributed to each one as he wills. What gift you have, where did it come from? If you're not exercising that gift, then guess who you're following? Uh, guess who you're not following? See how... I know we want to think there's more to it. And it'll, it'll definitely... This thing, depending on your position, it's either going to peel like a... A rose or an onion? (laughs) Okay, now I like onions, but they will make you cry. And that's where we're starting. Works of the Holy Spirit. He who began a good work in you shall complete it. What? That's Jesus. Yeah. Or the Spirit. Yeah. Or God, yeah. Which is it? Yeah. <laughs> you get a hold of that. Why? He will guide me in all truth. He already said that. And all that is mine, He will make you aware of. If that's true, be anxious for nothing. Well, that makes sense. Why? You know, I'm still ticked off with the guy at Christmas who sells stars. Those aren't yours. Those are mine. I'm joined here with Christ. You're selling my stars. Wait till my daddy sees you. That's the stuff that you and I have to get a hold of. That's where we're going in the next few weeks. Who is this person? He is a person. He has emotion. He has will. He has personality traits. Okay? But he is also my guide. And He will lead us into all truth. All truth. And you will find that when that happens, that God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could think or imagine. But not until you get the guide. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for salvation. Lord, that we are born of water and spirit. Father, we started over. Father, we started over. And Father, we had to learn to roll over. Father, we had to learn to lift ourselves to the strength of your spirit. All of it had to become anew to us. Father, let it stay there. Father, thank you. We have the spirit who guides us. He glorifies Christ in us. And Father, He discloses all that is, all that is in You. All that is Your power, all that is Your nature, all that is Your characteristics are disclosed to Your people. And You guide us in that. Father, I don't grasp that. Father, I understand Your power. I understand Your exaltation. Father, I understand your glory. I understand that it is not about us, it's about you. I understand that we decrease and you increase. Father, may we, beginning with me, may I decrease. May the only thing that is seen, the Spirit of the living God. Father, may we, who gather this day, declare Christ. With every breath you grace us, to your glory and praise. Amen.